this moment so they didn't see it coming. If you were a volunteer or had anything to do with VBS, even set up Travis, please stand so that we can recognize you. Lisa, girls, Barbara, where's Barbara? Yeah, good. Yeah. Travis. This was indeed a moment of many hands make light work. So thank you very much for um, all that you guys did for all these little people that came in. Um, you couldn't see that the Jennifer better have stood back in the booth. I'm not sure if she did or not. But Jennifer was um, Johnny on the spot with the pictures. Um, she was putting videos together. And she put together a CD for um, all the little um, VBSers. So um, this is not for public sale. But if you were a part of VBS, we have one of these for each family. So before we leave, maybe at the picnic downstairs, we can figure out how to get these in your hands. Um, I'm a very small-minded person, so this might be the last time I think of these CDs today. So um, just this is your fair warning. We have a box of these, like 60 of them, so that should be more than enough for each family to get one. Um, like I said, it's not for public consumption, but if you were part of VBS, if you came to VBS, then your family gets one of these. Please make sure you get one on your way out the door, and maybe we can get some kind of a, a sheet that we can check them off, and we can maybe mail out a couple if we need to later on. Or you can call the church to request them. Just give Holly a holler, somebody told me to say one time. So give Holly a holler. All right. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm just going to say it again. We're fresh off of a very successful week of VBS. Um, and I just want to get things rolling this morning. I'm feeling very generous this morning. So we're going to play your favorite game show in mine. Who dis? And this, if you don't get this one. Thank you. All right. Like I said, I feel a little generous this morning. So you can all claim a victory. I got one of those one time when I throw up these obscure people. Vince was absolutely amazing. He changed the way the game of football was prepared, practiced, and played. And he was the master of keeping things simple. There's many Vince Lombardi stories. There's lots of, even today, you can find signs of Vince Lombardi and his, his quotes um, hanging on walls of business for inspiration and, and leadership. But one of my favorite stories is one day at practice, things weren't going as planned, and things were just a little discombobulated, and Vince stopped everything. And he went over to the field and he picked this up and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. And he said, I'm the coach. You're the players. This is the field. These are the hash marks. He was getting back to basics, right? Things weren't going well. He said, the first thing we got to do, the only thing we got to do is get to get back to basics. And that's exactly what we did with VBS this year. We got back to basics. As you can imagine... There's a lot of different VBS curriculums out there, and everybody who says they're the best and they want you to use their curriculum. And uh, We looked at a couple, Brooke and I and Holly, we kicked around a couple of ideas about what we wanted to do, and then we saw Monumental. We don't have the thing up here, but we saw Monumental, um, where we're teaching God's greatness, teaching how great God is. And when I saw the, the Bible points, each day at VBS there's a Bible point and a Bible verse that goes with it. The Bible point is kind of a bite-sized thing that you can stick in your pocket and you can take it home with you. And the verse maybe takes a little bit more work, but we've worked on those, we practiced those. So each day, we had five days, each day had a Bible point with it. The first one was that God loves no fourth and fifth and whatever first is that. We give them names. Uh, we have uh, the, four, the three, four, and five-year-olds were called the pebbles. Um, then we had arches, we had canyons, we had boulders, and then we had the one today 
that uh, really blew the minds of the older kids. We called them the hoodoos. Now, you know, this is a hoodoo. It's a thing, apparently. <laughs> I think in Utah, mostly, these uh, rock formations form. It's uh, softer sand underneath, or softer stone underneath, and, and harder rock on the top. They're quite, uh, quite breathtaking when you get in there and start looking at them. How, that picture doesn't, show, just doesn't justify how tall those things really are, how big those things really are. So obviously, the, when I called them hoodoos, that brought up a lot of questions, even though Jennifer put this picture up with their little name and said, that is a hoodoo. They had a lot of questions about it, explaining. But the real reason behind that name is so we could look at that question and look at a question that Jesus asked his disciples. It's a little play on words that I was cooking up a little bit. So Jesus asked his disciples a question. I call it the most important question ever asked. Jesus was with his disciples one day. Now, when this happened, and um, it happens in three of the four Gospels. By the time John wrote his Gospel, he said, you guys have this covered well enough, I don't need to cover this anymore. But I'm going to look at Luke, and we're going to look at Matthew in a little bit. But here's the question that came up, and here's the setting that came up in Luke 9. Uh, this is verse 18. Uh, One day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him. He asked his disciples, he said, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you're one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked the question, what's the key to your eternity? He said, who do you say I am? We'll talk about Peter's reply here in a second. So let's just get our feet set here and understand uh, what we have happening here. Jesus is getting back to the basics. Jesus is saying, you know, this, this is the football, is what he's getting at here. We've been through a lot, he's saying to the disciples. We've been through a lot together. You've witnessed many things now. Now the question is, who do you say I am? And, you know, Jesus doesn't ask questions to, to learn an answer because he's curious. He already knows what's on the disciples' hearts. He already knows what's on their minds. He already knows their, excuse me, their thoughts. I'm going to tie this in in a second, but I just want to show you that I, I'm not just making that up. This comes straight out of Psalm 139, verse 2. Look at Psalm 139, verse 2. It says, You know when I sit down and when I get up, you know my thoughts before I think them. So when Jesus asked, Who do you say I am? He's also not fishing for compliments. He's not looking to get his ego boosted or anything like that. It was sort of a, a quiz for the disciples. Not really a test yet. It was more of a quiz for the disciples. And Jesus starts out rather non-threateningly. He says, who do people, who do the crowds, who do they say I am? And the disciples related to Jesus what they had heard people saying. As crazy as it even sounds. Including some of the old prophets. I mean, Jesus and John the Baptist actually were together and baptized. And then John the Baptist died and they said somehow he came back. I'm not sure exactly how that one went. I can give a little bit more credence to um, when they said he's Elijah because... They had seen, not these people had seen, but in their history, they had seen some of the prophets do some of the things that Jesus did. Not all the things that Jesus did, not on the level that Jesus did them, but some of these things had happened before. So they concluded, we have another prophet coming in here, because he didn't look like the Messiah that they wanted to look like. But all the disciples' answers pointed to the fact that the crowds acknowledged they knew that Jesus was someone special. There's no getting around that. They knew Jesus was someone special. But all of the crowd's answers were wrong. They fell short. So then Jesus makes it personal with the hoodoo question. He says, who do you say I am? And like I said, that's all that matters when it really comes down to it. 
He's asking, you know, are you following the crowd? You know, and he would ask you, are you following the History Channel? Are you following things that you've heard? Or are you actually following me? Are you actually following what you know about me? Because there's a lot of information, there's a lot of disinformation that the world will try to give us about the life and time of Jesus. There's been some movies out there that I thought, why did we even do that? Just can we throw that out? Can we unmake that movie or unsee that somehow? But here's what we do know. According to Vince Lombardi, for and ladies and gentlemen, this is the Bible. And this is Jesus' story. In here, we're going to find about, out about creation. We're going to find out about a guy named um, Abraham. We're going to find out about a guy named um, Moses. And, and then we're going to find out about a guy named Jesus. And we're going to read his life and his times in here. And that's what we should be basing everything on. This is what we know. Now, as I talked about a second ago, um, Peter is the one who speaks up first in that conversation with Jesus. When Jesus said, who do you, who do, who do you say I am? Like I said, this conversation happens in three of the four Gospels. Matthew nails it, in my opinion. But think for a second, Matthew was there. Matthew was in the middle of this conversation. So he quotes Peter in verse 16, chapter 16, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter declares Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, and more than, the, more than that, the, the Son of the living God. I'm sure the other disciples were nodding along when Peter was saying these things, because by this time the disciples had seen, um, had seen all the Bible points that we talked about that we taught here at VBS. They had seen all of that. They knew all of that. They were owning all of that. They'd seen the miracles of Jesus. They saw him feed 5,000 people with a couple loaves of bread and a few pieces of fish. Then later, they saw him feed 4,000 people, which, by the way, happened right before this conversation. What are some of the other miracles they saw? Healing. Raising the dead. What? Who's this? And the guy walked on water, right? I forgot, we're Lutherans, we don't speak in church, right? Don't Don't call on me. They had seen a lot. Calming a storm. All these things that went on. Driving out demons in healing. We could talk about that until the afternoon. All the healings. John literally said, we don't have enough paper in the world to write down everything that Jesus did. Jesus wasn't simply a prophet. Wasn't simply you know, a prophet of old. He was way more than that. So, um, now I, I gave you the last who dis, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult, but I want to play it anyway. Who's, who dis? This is one of my favorite authors. This is A.W. Tozer himself. Now, he has uh, some incredible quotes, but the one that's nearest and dearest to my heart, the one that really we need to focus on today about the hoodoos today, is this. He said this, What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And that's exactly where Jesus is putting his disciples. Who do you say I am? You've seen all this. You've heard all this. You've learned all this. Now, who do you say I am? Can we stand in front of God and sing, Here's my heart, Lord, in response to all the things that we know about him and all the things that he has done for us? Who do you say I am? Not who do your friends say I am. 
Not who does Facebook say I am. Not who does the movies or a theater or anything else. Who do you say I am? And only you get to answer that question. Only you get to decide. But here's the thing. And and there's no getting around this. You have to decide. Who do you say he is? Another one of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. And he said it like this. I feel kind of quotey today. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. I'll give him that. And, but it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Either it's everything or it's nothing. And what we think about, when we think about that's the most important thing. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you simply reduce him, reduce him to being a friend? Or to being a great moral teacher, or something, or, or do you recognize him as the savior of the universe, the creator of the universe, and the savior of the universe? Jeff Shula, one of my favorite bands, is Rush, and they've got a line that says, "If you choose not to decide, you've still made a choice." So there's no passivity about this. You got to decide who Jesus is in your life. So what do we actually really know about the, the actual existence of Jesus? Did he actually exist? Did he actually walk around this earth? And believe it or not, we have plenty of information on that. History Channel might tell you differently. Somebody with authority might tell you differently. Fact is, we have a lot of reliable uh, witnesses that say that he did walk around this earth. We have other people in history with much weaker cases about did they actually exist that historians don't even think twice about. We don't even blink at it. Take, um, take Socrates, for example. Socrates, um, like Jesus, we have none of his writings. But unlike Jesus, with Socrates, we don't have any writings about any of the people who lived with him or lived around him. The, the possible exception is Plato. There's a debate whether or not Plato actually met Socrates, but that's what we know about Socrates, is Plato's writings. Plato lived 400 B.C., so like 400 years-ish before Jesus was born. The first writings that we have of Plato talking about Socrates are, are remarkably, actually, a 900 A.D., 1,500-year gap from when Plato, we'll give him the credit for writing this, to when we have an, exi- an existing copy of the copies of the copies that he wrote. But nobody even thinks twice about whether or not Socrates really existed. There's a, there's a club that says Socrates didn't exist, that he was just invented by Plato. All right, sorry. Let me, let me get us out of this rabbit hole for a second. Plato's writings, though, if they do exist 1,500 years after he wrote them, um, like I said, it's, my point here is that uh, we, we need to agree that Jesus existed. That he's not a legend, he's not a myth, he's not some kind of fictional hero. He really existed here on earth in the first century, and the New Testament contains uh, the fullest, most reliable, recorded information in, of his life and his ministry. Given that... It's important that we understand Jesus' nature. We understand who he was, what he was here all about. So Jesus explained many times, listen to me now, Jesus explained many times that he was the creator in the flesh walking around here on earth. People around him had a really hard time with that. Now, again, I don't just tell you things are in the Bible, I show you where these things are in the Bible. Luke 5, for example 20 and 21. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, uh, young man, your sins are forgiven. Okay, so this is where um, Jesus is in a house. 
uh, and he's teaching, and there, there's such a big crowd around that they can't get into this house. And four friends have a, a friend on a, a crippled friend on a, on a stretcher, on a pallet. They go up on top of the roof, they claw their way through, they lower the man down to Jesus' feet. Knowing that he can be healed. Jesus, I showed you a minute ago, knows their thoughts, knows their faith. And he said, seeing their faith, the guy's up on the roof, he said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Well, Scripture tells us that only God can forgive sins. So the Pharisees had a hard time with it, verse 21. But the Pharisees, the teacher of the religious law, said to themselves, who does this guy think he is? That is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. The rest of that story is that Jesus said, well, all right, I understand your thoughts because I knew them before you spoke them. So what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And Jesus said, so you can see that I have that authority. I'm going to show you this power. He said, get up and walk. There's another time that Jesus blew the minds of of a crowd of his followers. They were with him. They wanted to hear what he had to teach, and and then he blew their minds. This is in John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, to this crowd, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Okay, so there's a lot of debate and a lot of discussion on on what this is. This is Jesus claiming to be the creator. Now, that's the New King James Version. The Living Bible says it like this. It's a little bit more uh, palatable for us. He says, The absolute truth, Jesus says, is that I was in existence before Abraham was ever born. People try to say that Jesus isn't really claiming to be God here, but that's, that can't be the case. Again, you hear some authority on the History Channel say something like that, but that just doesn't play out. Because now that's verse 58. If we look at verse 59, the beginning of verse 59, after he said that, they picked up stones to throw at him. Well, why are they stoning him, right? Explanation comes a little bit further in John 10, 33. They replied, we're not stoning you for your good works, we're stoning you for blasphemy. You, a mere man, what does it say? Claim to be God. Jesus said, He is the Creator. He is the living God. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. What's His mission? What's His nature? To seek and save the lost. I want to quote C.S. Lewis one more time here. Like I said, I'm in a quoting mood kind of today. He said, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be a lunatic. On the level with the man who says he's a poached egg. This is out of uh, mere Christianity, by the way. Then he said this, what I said earlier. You must make your choice. Either he's the son of God or a lunatic. But you can't call, just call Jesus a moral teacher or a prophet or anything like that. Jesus simply does not allow you that option. So who do you say he is? Liar, lunatic, or Lord? It's kind of what we're stuck with. He said he was the living God. Now I said today's message comes from the Vince Lombardi playbook. right? Back to basics. The basics of the gospel message is this. God created you to have a relationship with him. We wonder, what's our purpose in the, on this earth? Why did God create me? To have a relationship with him. So at VBS, we do a lot of um, repeat after me stuff. So repeat after me. God created me to have a relationship with him. God created me 
to have a relationship with Him. What's your purpose in life? To have a relationship with God. To be part of His kingdom. So God created us to have a relationship with Him, and then we blew it. We get that sin in our lives. You know, I know we don't like to talk about that word. I feel judged. Well, you know what? There's no getting around it. That's who we are. The Bible says that God is too holy to be around sin. So when we have that sin in our lives, we've separated ourselves from God. So Jesus comes along to forgive those sins, to take away the sin of the world. Because your sins cannot be removed by good deeds. You can't say, well, i got so much on one side of the scale and i got something on the other side of the scale. It's not, it doesn't work like that. God cannot be around sin, not even a little bit of sin. Heard my ice cream analogy on this? Mike, what's your favorite ice cream? Vanilla. vanilla. All right. Mine's chocolate. But all right, vanilla. So all right, you're down at Bay Beach. you got a beautiful cup of vanilla ice cream, right? Walking along, right? And all of a sudden, uh, the old uh, seagull comes along and... Has a little topping on there. And Jenny, Jenny is beautiful. She says, oh, here, hand me that. Here, I'll get, I'll get that out of there for you. Here you go. I got most of it. There's just a little bit left. And Mikey, you think, oh, there's no possible way I'm going to eat this. And that's the way God is with us. You know, we say, well, I got most of the sin out of my life. I'll just go have a big bite of that vanilla flavored dropping. God says, no, I want you pure. I want you made pure. And that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus takes away the sin of the world. That's who we, that's who we need to, to latch our lives onto. So before Jesus asked his disciples the hoodoo question, he told them who he was, who he is. And we've read it here in verse 6, John 14. Jesus told the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is in response to Thomas being honest when Jesus said, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas is like, time out. I have no idea where you're going or what you're even talking about. Could you just break it down for me? Jesus said, yeah, I got you, bro. I am the way. If you know me, you know the way to the Father. And this seems kind of um, like we're excluding people, right? No one can come to the Father except through me. That seems kind of arrogant, doesn't it? Well, let's look at turn around the other way. Anyone can come to the Father through me, Jesus is saying. Because it's God's will for all to come to the knowledge of the truth, to all be part of that relationship. Anyone who believes will be saved. And again, that was the message, that was the point of VBS this past week. Since God loves you no matter what, since He's with you everywhere, since He's in charge, since He's stronger than anything, what's keeping us from giving our heart to Him? And singing those simple words, Here's my heart, Lord. And maybe you're thinking in my head, Well, I did that eons ago. I did that years ago. You know, I married my wife a while ago. But I told her this morning I love her. Have you done that with God this morning? Have you given your heart to Him on a regular basis? Have you said, I want to be in this relationship and I want to be a part of this relationship? Today, now, every moment. So then I ask the question, what's keeping you from giving your heart 
to God, to turning your life over to Him. And like I said, maybe you said you've done that in whatever. Well, you know what? How about to, how's that today? Have we given everything over to Him on every moment of every day? Or are we just kind of married over here and we're doing some other stuff over here? It doesn't work like that on earth, and it doesn't work like that in our relationship with God. And again, breaking it back down to basics, keeping it very simple. Hebrews 2.10 says it to us very simply. It says, God, the one who made all things and for whose glory all things exist, wanted many children to be... I wanted many people to be his children and share his glory. So he did what he needed to do. He made the perfect one who leads those people to salvation. He made Jesus a perfect savior through his suffering. So now my question for you this morning is, who do you say he is? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I ask you to open our hearts and our minds to your truths, to your words. Thank you for speaking into our hearts this morning, and I pray that, that we, on a continual basis, say to you, here's my heart, here's my life, here's my everything. We owe it all to you, and I thank you, Lord, for being our creator. I thank you for being the author of our salvation. I thank you for coming down from your throne room in heaven, the creator of the universe, to walk around with us, to explain who you are and to explain what our responsibility is in that. So Lord, if we haven't done it once already in our life, help us turn our hearts over to you. If we haven't done it today, if we haven't done it in the last five minutes, help us to turn our hearts over to you, to give you control of everything that we are, everything we think, do, and say. We thank you for who you are and all you do in Jesus' name. Would you please stand with me?